0: We will be turning in our Bibles this morning to the eleventh chapter of Hebrews once again. We've been studying our way through this book, and we're near the last in the last few chapters of this book. We're in chapter eleven. What I last week newly entitled the endurance chapter of all of those who endured in faith to the ends of their lives. And I want to pick up the reading this morning. In verse 17, Hebrews 11, now verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called accounting that god was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense you join me in prayer lord as we bow before you this morning we we pray we lift up our hearts and our minds our inner spirit lord that you created in us now those who believe who have your spirit in us we pray for that communal connection with you we pray lord teach us and lord we pray for a spirit of courage and endurance when you teach us the way you taught abraham and brought him through the tests his faith increased help us with that this morning in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. In the entirety of this chapter, we are highlighting faith that pleases God. Which Verse 6 reminds us that it is impossible to please God without faith. So we want to know what faith is. Getting to Abraham, that pivotal person of the entire text of Scripture, and he who becomes the father of Israel... And the father of faith for all who believe. For he is the father of those who are justified in God by faith alone. For it is Abraham who believed God, the Bible tells us, and was accounted unto him as righteousness. So wanting to follow him, we've looked and been looking at the five characteristics of trust. Because Abraham trusted God. I'm not going to reiterate the first four, but just spend this Sunday on the final one. The final evidence, the final proof that our faith is a faith that trusts in God is proven by the testing of God. By the testing of God. Chapter 11, verse 17, very simply states, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, so Abraham was tested, and he was tested by God. This is a reality. This is and was a requirement. God used the ultimate test of a man's trust, calling for the sacrifice of his son. I want you to turn backwards in your Bible again to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, and it is there that we will read the narrative of God testing Abraham, and it is self-illustrative, meaning it illustrates itself. I need not add too much to it because God is teaching us with this Narrative. These things actually happened. Chapter 22, Genesis, verse 1. Now follow along as I read. Now it came to pass after these things, and what things are those? The several promises of God to Abraham that he would give him a son. A son from his own body, he promised, and then a son from Sarah, his wife from her body in old age. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham said to him Abraham and he said here I am and he said now take your son your only son Isaac whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you notice the similarity when he said Abraham Get out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees. Get out to a land and go to a land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where. He just said, get out, start going. I'll show it to you on the way. Here again, a similar call. Go, offer your son, go to Moriah, and I'll show you the mountain you're supposed to go up when you get there. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. No discussion, no debate. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. And then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by its horns, So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said by myself I have sworn Says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you. And in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. A test. First, a promise I will give you a son. Then, a promise fulfilled. The time of life, a son, a son which he loved as only a parent who gets a child in old age, can love. The promised son, now required of him. Required as an offering unto God. Give me your son. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Such a simple Phrase, but an enormous weight of spiritual battle involved. Do you not think that Abraham grieved in his soul? Do you not think that he maybe wept tears? Do you not think he maybe worried about how this would be? What was Abraham like in his mind now? How did he get through this? Listen, our text says by faith, verse 17, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The very promise, now God's asking for it back. God had told him, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. This is your heritage. This is is your offering down the road of life. Your genealogy begins here. Give it to me. Verse 19, accounting that God was able. What was in Abraham's mind is told us here, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. This means that in all the anguish of offering up his son, he knew that God was a promise keeper. God had promised him a son. This is the son. He says, Give me the son. He says, Then some way I am going to have this son that God promised, even though he's asking for him. I can't believe he's asking for him this way, but he is. We know that this wasn't the first test that Abraham had, was it? This is the final one we really hear about. We know that along the way, walking with his beautiful wife, Abraham was tested twice. He was tested with the beauty of his wife and great kings that wanted his wife, such that he lied about his wife and said, Please save my life and tell them you're my sister. So he was not making the connection that God who had promised, if you leave Ur of the Chaldees, go to a land I will show you. I will give you the land. I will make you a great nation. So he lied. He failed the test. And God showed himself strong in the promise, returning his wife on two occasions, bringing it back to himself in his foolishness and lack of faith. Abraham was then tested by his own wife. His wife, who said, We got to take things into our own hands. Here's Here's my serving maid Hagar. Lie with her and produce an heir, and then we will fulfill God's promise ourselves. And Abraham failed, and he did it. And, well, part of what's going on in Israel today is part of that. They've been warring ever since, for Ishmael is the father of the Arabs, and they fight. Isaac, the father of the Hebrews, even today, he failed. And then, with the judgment of Sodom, even with Lot, there's so many in the land, and there's fighting between the herdsmen of Lot, his nephew, and himself, and splitting the way. And Lot picks the best ground. He goes down to the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was rich and plentiful. And Abraham wandered on, and God took from him all of his family. For he was supposed to leave his family, but he took Lot anyway. And then Lot was separated from him, and then he went off alone. He was tested. He was tested then with Sodom's judgment when his nephew Lot was living there, and he bargained with God. If you find, if you find 50, will you not spare Sodom? If you find 20, if you find 10, if you find one? Oh, well, there was only one. There was not 10. There was just Lot and he watched God save Lot and destroy Sodom, and he was tested. Along the way, he was learning. Along the way, he was learning. I don't know. Did you catch what God said back in Genesis? Did you catch what God said? This angel of the Lord, by the way, which I believe is a Christophany oftentimes when you see angel of the Lord, that is the pre-incarnate Christ. You'll notice the pronoun, even me, that he uses in verse 12. He talks about God. Verse 11, look at this again. Chapter 22, Genesis. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he, the angel of the Lord, said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Listen now, here's what I want to point to. For now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only your son, your only son from me. God, me. Must be Christophany, must be Jesus. But the key is, now I know that you fear God. Yareh in the Hebrew. Reverence. You know, the Bible confounds us at times all the way through, even here. God says, fear me. Don't fear men. God says, fear me, don't be in terror for your life. Jesus even said, don't fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and what? Cast the soul into hell. And then there's faith. Faith that trusts God does indeed fear God, but not with a paralyzing terror as we often fear men or even fear for our lives. With a holy, awesome reverence. Now I know that you fear God. Brothers and sisters, we need to know and we need to show that we fear God enough to sacrifice that which is of the promise to us by God. Are children precious to you, fathers, mothers? Even if you don't have them, you know they're precious and you want them. I know this. How about being given one, only one, of you and your wife, and God asks for them? Would you be terrified? Or would you fear the Lord? See, that's the contrast God keeps giving us and we struggle so much to wrap our minds and our hearts around. God does not want us terrified of him. God wants us in a holy state of reverential moral awe such that we would never refuse God anything he asks for because we know God would only ask for that which is right and good, and blessed. What happened here? Now I know the angel of the Lord says that you fear God. The question really was, did Abraham know whether or not he feared God? Over time, God tested him such that he did and refused God nothing. Parents, have you given your children to God? I know many of you might have said that in your heart. Oh, I've given my children to God and I'll raise them for him. How many of you have refused to totally give your children to God and you've refused to obey him in raising your children the way God said to raise them? It's very clear in the entirety of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation that it is the father that is responsible to teach the children. Even in Ephesians, just one single verse should lay the burden of weight on every husband, every father's shoulders where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, some have changed the translation to say, in the training and admonition of the Lord, but you cannot train them unless you fear God, unless you revere him. How many have refused to use corporal punishment on their children because society has said that's brutal? When the Bible is clear, the heart of a child is full of foolishness, but the rod driveth it far from them. He who hates his child refuses to discipline them. But he who loves his child, Proverbs says, disciplines them promptly. That's a pretty small offering of your children, isn't it? Compared to Abraham. I will raise them up the way you said to raise them up. But when you've looked at that cute little face that is rebelling, and it is sin, and you say, no, I will not put the heavy hand upon them. They're so cute. But in their little heart, they're reprobates, and they're challenging you, and they're stomping their feet, and they're rolling on the floor. And the parent says, I don't know what to do with them. Well, I tell them, I do. Because God said what to do, and you're refusing to offer your child unto the Lord because you want to save them for yourself. You want them to like you. That's not your job, parent. Do you think God was getting Abraham to like him when he said, Give me your son? That's what he wanted? No, the goal was for Abraham to fear God and to trust in the promise. The Bible tells us if we do it his way, it'll work out his way. If we do it our way, we're doomed to fail. How many times did Abraham fail? Again and again and again. And then this. So there's hope for you. And some might be saying, well, my children are all out of the house, or I don't have children yet. Well, if they're out of the house, you're not done parenting yet, because you're not dead. How old was Abraham when he passed on the blessing to Isaac? How old was Isaac when he passed on the blessing to Jacob? How old was Jacob when he passed on the blessing to Joseph's sons and all his sons? Old. We're going to get to them next week. So I'm pulling back on my reins. The bit is hitting my mouth and I shall continue here, not with them. Fear or terror? I'm terrified of losing my children. I'm terrified of losing my wife. What if I actually try to be a a husband the way I'm supposed to be a husband? What if I actually try to be a wife the way I'm supposed to be a wife? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm terrified. Guess what? You do it God's way, and there's hope for your marriage. You do it your way. Let me just say, sign the papers now. You're as good as divorced. How many old couples have you seen In the cafe. They walk in. They don't say a word to one another. One's leading the other. The fastest of the two at this stage of decrepit life. One limps faster than the other. They care not to walk with one another. They sit at the table. They place their orders. They speak not a word. One gets up and pays. Usually the wife. I'm just saying... Somewhere between dating and now, they've lost the provider model of the Bible. And then they walk out separately. The faster limper ahead of the slower limper. And they get in the same car. They go home and they say, See, we're still married. So you are. And how horrible it looks. If you do it God's way, you give yourselves to God, you give your children to God, you give your life to God, you follow God's precepts, God's principles, God's word in your life. And when you don't, you confess it. That was me. I was wrong. Here I'm going to try and do it right. Honey, would you forgive me? Wife, would you forgive me? Husband, would you forgive me? Kids, would you forgive me? I should have beat you more. That's the truth. Many should say that. And I don't mean beat meanly, beat in retribution, but I mean beat to train. Nothing like a swat on the behind, even on the good old diaper. And they know what's happening. They were wrong. Abraham gave the whole of his child's life because God said do this. Now I know you fear me. So are we going to walk in terror of the world, ourselves, of what we might lose, or are we going to walk in fear and whatever God asks, are we going to give it? That's the example of testing. See, there's two ways out of every test. You know what they are? One, obedience. Two, Rebellion. Either way, you're out. Test is over. When you rebel, the pressure goes away. When you obey, you can expect blessing. Even if it's painful. You cannot imagine the pain he was suffering. Never has God endorsed human sacrifice In the entirety of his scripture, he hates those who sacrifice their children. There's something that got into Abraham that he knew his God does not kill children, that he knew his God does not break his promises, that he knew his God was going to fulfill those things, and so he followed through and raised the knife. How was it that the son allowed himself to be bound and put on an altar without some training? Let me tell you, if your kid won't come to you when it's a little child, he's not going to come to you when he's an adult and there's no lamb around for the slaughter. And you start binding his hands, he's going to struggle. He's going to run in terror because you have not taught him the fear of the Lord. This young man got on the altar and his old man dad, who was a 100 when he was conceived, DID NOT LIFT HIM UP THERE. I SURMISE. THAT CAME THROUGH TRAINING. THIS IS YOUR GOD. THIS IS OUR LAND. BUT, DAD, WE DON'T OWN THE LAND. YES, WE DO. BUT RIGHT NOW WE'RE PILGRIMS. GOD HAS PROMISED US THE LAND. Not only a land, a city that will come down from heaven. This is our God. Now watch our God as we put the whoopings on these kings. <laughs> That's our God. Testing is good, brothers and sisters. Testing is good. Am I saying my position as pastor, Pastor Fred loves testing? No. I'm saying I acknowledge that it is good when it comes from God, and I've learned that through experience. Amen? God is faithful. I've asked God, increase my faith. God, help me grow up. God, make me wise. When we pray those prayers, we have to realize that that means God will test us so that we can grow up to become sure of our faith in God. Listen to even Peter. Was Peter a big success as a disciple, by and large? He certainly had some high moments. He was the one that confessed. Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But even he couldn't take credit for that. Jesus said, well, you didn't get that on your own. You got that from heaven. The Holy Spirit gave that to you. And then two sentences later in our Bible, Christ is rebuking him. We're telling Jesus he can't go to the cross. Why? Because it terrified him. No, Lord, far be it from you, that you should be sacrificed. By the way, have you not seen a little bit of parallel between Jesus, the sacrifice of the only begotten son and the only begotten son of Abraham who did not have to be sacrificed? Think on that. Peter, who ran, Peter, who denied Christ three times, through his testing became this Peter of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, here's a man of faith speaking to others to grow them up. 1 Peter 1 verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, their salvation, by the way, Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. Notice there's some elements to this. Right now you're in it. There's a time limit. If need be, it's not forever. It's a little while. You've been grieved. That's what they do. They're hard. And here it tells us the purpose. Verse 7. That. This is what we call a purpose clause in the Greek. The introductory word of every purpose clause is hina. Hina in the Greek. We translate it as that. So you can write next to it. The purpose of this is that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Did you hear that? Tested by fire. How they get gold pure? They test it with fire. The dross comes up. They skim it off. The rest is pure. It takes heat, which is uncomfortable. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. If you can't stand the test, Rebel and run. But if you want to grow and be a good cook, stick in the kitchen. There'll be dessert. I never try and get very far from the kitchen for that very reason. Tested by fire, it's precious. What should be most precious to us? Our children? What should be most precious to us? Our mate? Our wife? Our husband? What should be most precious to us, our job? What should be most precious to us, our wealth, our lack thereof, so we can complain about it, also equally valuable to some? Or our faith? Our faith, tested by fire. And how should it be come out that it may be, he says, found to praise, honor, and glory, not of you, But at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him. Yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible. And full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith. Listen. The salvation of your souls. Does that mean if you fail in faith. You're not saved. No. Watch Abraham. Watch all of these here. It means the deliverance of your soul. From failure. And lack of faith. There's growing up. Abraham had to grow up to be the father of faith. He didn't start that way. He started well, but he failed along the way. Notice God is faithful. In one of the best psalms in all the Bible, on the topic of the goodness of God, of knowing him, And the word of God in relationship with the believer and follower of God, that's Psalm 119, we read these startling words. Startling in that we probably never say things like this. But we need to start if we're going to be like Abraham. Listen. The psalmist says, Psalm 119, 71 is the verse. It is good for me, he says, that I have been afflicted. As they say today, what? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, says the psalmist. Why? There's purpose in it. Here's the purpose. That I may learn. That I may learn your statutes. Isn't it a truth about us as people that we learn the most through the hardest things? Is that not true? Can I have at least one amen? You can even say that's right. That's right. God teaches us best through trials and we get closer with God and closer with one another when he tests what that means. Do we fear him or are we running for terror? Because the fear of God draws near unto him for the blessing that we may learn his statutes. Verse 72, I just had to add this in. Because it shows us a relationship with the word of God in guidance. Psalm 119, now 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand coins of gold and silver. It's not just what Peter said. It's better than gold that perishes is the faith following God's word. See, God was building trust in Abraham all along the way. It says in our text, he who had received the promises. He received the promises. He never received the fruition of the promises. The Bible just got done telling us, these all died. Verse 13, Hebrews 11. These all died in faith. Let me tell you this. If you receive the promise, you don't die in faith because you've gotten that thing which you've been putting your faith in. There's no more need to put faith in it. It's here. You no longer need to hope for it. It's here. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. That's trusting God and fearing God. Many of you know that in my early life, I worshipped at the altar of the gymnasium of the physique and I paid with my sacrifices with regularity faithfulness to go in and work toward a goal body beauty which, by the way, is selling today at a higher rate than it ever has. We bodybuilders used to just shave our bodies for the contest season, and now these foolish young men are shaving their bodies all year long. I'm just here to say, get it figured out. But when you were worshiping in that temple, you knew that if you wanted to increase size and strength, you couldn't do it in one day. You didn't walk into the gym and suddenly look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No matter how much you want to be pumped up. It takes time. Gradually, you add small little weights. The smallest ones are two and a half pounds that you put on the Olympic bar. Two and a half pounds. That's five pounds at a time. Make an increase. Make, increase. make another increase. Make another increase. Make another increase. Then all of a sudden, I can't make any more increases. We call it hitting a plateau. Plateau to struggle with the plateau. Right, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now we plateaued in a whole new way. The illustration I'm trying to make is we know that associated with this goal, the necessity of discipline and work and gradual process up to the mark is going to be necessary. Why is it when we get to spiritual work That we think we're gonna be zapped because we bought a membership to a church rather than a membership to a gym. It's not gonna happen that way. You know, and many people came into the gym where I trained right around January 1st. They were turning over that new leaf, they were making that new resolution. And they would come into the gym and they would look around a lot. They'd look over here. They'd look over there. They'd look over here. We used to call them those who do calf raises. Just exercising their calves. And in a few weeks, they'd be gone. Because it got too tough. We say, oh, here they are. Have to deal with these people for a few weeks. But they'll be gone. Let me bring that illustration into the church. There's many people who come in here and they want to be zapped. I want to be a mature Christian right now. Ten good sermons, a couple of Bible studies, a little offering in the offering plate, pumped up. Wrong. It doesn't work in the physical world. It certainly doesn't work in the spiritual world without trials and testing, without more weight being added to the bar of your life continually. And then sometimes when you hit a plateau and you can't go any farther, God is faithful to give you the testing of those spiritual muscles like none before to break through the complacency and the level that you've gotten to. The athlete knows that you exercise until it becomes natural to want pain. You all know the saying, right? No pain what? I could stop preaching then now, right? You know this. No pain, no gain in the gym. No pain, no gain in Christ. He is faithful to test us. And some of you might say, well, I've never been tested with a trial like these things that you've been going through. Certainly not by Abraham. No. Perhaps you've not yet stopped rebelling and obeyed. And you're lifting the same five pounds again and again because you're not brave enough to fear God. And you run in terror every time it gets tough. Let me tell you, you're doomed to fail and you'll walk out of the church eventually. Especially this one. I try to be as tough as God wants me to be on you and all the time worry that I'm not being tough enough for us to grow up. You see, this is what Paul told Timothy, a young pastor, about growing up and serving God. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, Therefore you must... Endure hardship. Want to be a pastor now? Therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers go to basic training. And that's just the basics. They get to do push-ups. They get to run for miles. They get to put on the right uniforms. When they put on the wrong uniform, they get to do push-ups and run. They get to yell and scream what they're told to yell and scream. They get to crawl under barbed wire, crawl over things, climb up things, carry heavy weights, wear shoes that don't fit, don't matter, keep going, change your socks, put them back on, keep going, do what you're supposed to do. And that's just basic training. Then you start really training. soldier endures hardship to be a soldier. I worked very hard for a red beret, for a red beret. Bring it on. What are we working for here? A crown of glory. No one engaged in warfare, goes on to say, entangles himself with the affairs of life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I am yours. You command me. I do what you command. Ours is not to question why. Ours is just to do and die. Oh, that's a horrible thing to say from the pulpit. Is that really how soldiers think? No, but they have to if they want to live. Do what God says. But it seems like I'm killing my son. You're not. Seems like I'm killing my daughter. You're not. Not if you're doing it his way. Keep doing what he said clearly in his word, not what you want niggling in your heart. Jay Adams said, Discipline. Discipline so conceived is something that the Christian church lacks in our time. By the way, he's dead now. So in his time, he saw this. Discipline so conceived is something that the Church, Christian church lacks in our time. He goes on to say, It is high time that we all recognize that God requires us to discipline ourselves by constant practice in obeying his revealed will and thus exercise ourselves toward godliness. That means the Bible is what we follow, not what's in our heads, not what's in the world, not what it contradicts this or goes against this, only what this says we do as a practice and then add five more pounds. Read another verse. And do it. Thank you for that. Even the discipline of diet takes time. Since I've used some of my bodybuilding analogies this morning, I'll use another. When the contest would get near, we had to get skinny and keep our muscles. Lose the fat, keep the muscles. The first year I was in the Teenage Mr. Montana contest, I tried to stop eating almost everything bad all at once. Cold turkey. Well, that didn't go too well. I'd go really good for a while, and then I'd binge. Ah! Mom would come and say, what's in the fridge? Where's the stuff I, we were going to have that for dinner, and it's gone. I was off the wagon. I couldn't hold to it. So next year, I learned. Three months out, I stopped buttering toast. A couple weeks after that, I stopped eating toast few weeks after that, no skin on chicken. A couple weeks after that, zero desserts. Except one a week that I could look forward to. I can have that dessert on Saturday. I just don't eat it today. And cut it down and cut it down till I'm eating tuna out of a can and liking it. Zero flavor, zero garnish, keeping the muscles, losing the fat. I was willing to do that for nothing. It was all nothing. It's all gone. It's all pride. See, that's how you have to pursue God in faith. One little thing at a time cut out. No, I'm going to be holy tomorrow. Cutting it all. Poo! <clears throat> Done. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm going over time. Oh, well, well, it's for free. You say that and you, and you, you do good till Wednesday, right? Man, that thing pastor said on the Sunday. Woo, eh, I got sin I got to deal with. And say, so whoa! All gone. Whole pattern of life changed this Monday. Look at me. Ha! Oh, praying, reading, Bible studying, talking good, listening good, walking good. Wednesday. Uh-oh. Thursday. Oh man. Friday. You think you've lost your salvation. Right? because you tried to do it all at once. And you didn't get any help because you can't tell nobody you're having trouble, right? (laughs) No. No, that would be unchristian. No, that would be Christian. Even bodybuilders help each other grow. What's wrong with us? Get a spotter. Get someone to say, one more rep. No, man, we're going to the gym today. You're not sloughing this. No, I can do it. No, you can't. Not without help from your church, not without help from God. Discipline. But refusing to discipline yourself, to discipline the people in your life, your children, your brothers and sisters, your pastor, means you're working in terror, not in fear. 2 Timothy 2 again, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Listen. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure all things. And then he says this, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Now here, here's the place where you get caught up. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Let me tell you, this is to the apostate. This is the one who said, I believe, but never does pick up a weight. This is the one who comes into the gym for two weeks and does calf raises and looks around and thinks they've gone someplace and says, oh, this isn't for me. And they deny him. They never were of him. Two weeks in a church does not a Christian make and does not a Christian prove you stay till death do us part. Because we're the body of Christ. And then this hopeful thing, verse 13, this is to true believers. If we are faithless, Abraham, oh yeah, this is my sister. If we are faithless, oh yeah, Abimelech, this is my sister. If we are faithless, oh man, God, don't 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 hit Sodom. He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. When God promised Abraham, he stayed faithful when Abraham what? wasn't. When God promised you, that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. He is faithful. When you fail, he's still faithful. But he still says, I'm going to test you so you can fear me. Now get up, put two and a half more pounds on either side of that barbell and let's start training. Jesus said it this way. Luke 9, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, we should say in terror, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That's fear of God. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. You've got to trust in God. you got to obey God like Abraham when he was called. You've got to wait patiently for the promises of God like Abraham the pilgrim. You've got to get your strength from God like Sarah, the mother of Isaac. You've got to embrace the promises of God as though they are here today like Abraham and Sarah and their children. And you've got to endure the testing of God and grow up. I'm done now. Let's pray. Help us. For we are terrified at times, oh God, and you know it. We pray as David, Lord, remember that we are just dust. We are weak, and we need you to make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit and by drinking in the word of God and growing strong. Let us not fall into terror, but let us rise up in reverential fear, Lord, and do what you say, and trust what you've promised, and be blessed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.